Hey guys, and welcome to episode 15 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys, hope you're well and we're back with episode... 15 really on a roll now so today's episode is with dr david kennedy i actually shot this interview a little bit before in the year but the sound quality wasn't good and with the information coming out i feel so important to get it out to you um i wanted to shoot it again make sure the sound was a-okay so everyone can really get to know all this information really really clearly um so dr david kennedy is a what well, is a dentist he's been a dentist for going on well, almost three maybe four decades now and he's a specialist in fluoride and mercury and as we all know fluoride is good for us right that's why i put it in the toothpaste that's why i put it in the water supply uh well we'll have a little chat with dr david kennedy about this um i know my thoughts on the topic um and we're going to mercury and fillings and we even touch a little bit on root canals etc so Without further ado, here's Dr. David Kennedy, here's the interview, and guys, as always, let me know what you think afterwards, because you are who we do this for. So, without further ado, here's Dr. David Kennedy, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Revive Yourself podcast. Today's episode is with Dr. David Kennedy, DDS. Uh, David's a dentist. Um, and it's been so for, I think, 47 years. We've actually did this interview once before, but unfortunately the sound quality wasn't where we wanted it to be. And the information he's given out is so is so vital that I want you all to be able to hear it. So, David, welcome to the show once again. How are you today? I'm very good, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the program. No worries. How's California today? Uh, sunny and warm. Sunny and warm, that's just how you like it. So today we'll just be talking about um, fluoride and mercury. Um, David has actually got a film out called Fluoride Gate, which I urge everyone to see watch on YouTube. Um, and he's also uh, got a, a film out called Smoking Teeth, which is on YouTube, all about mercury. So um, he is an expert on these two topics and he has been lecturing on these for, for years now. So just for the, the people out there listening, David, how did you get into researching and lobbying against mercury and fluoride um, and lead, etc.? Um, because these are things most dentists prescribe every day to, to protect and strengthen teeth or actually to, um, to revamp teeth that have been broken. Well, I had a, uh, an experience with mercury when I was in the United States Navy in the 70s. I was supposed to try to clean the place up. And the standards we were using then were uh, we were trying to get the offices down to 100 parts per million. Um, today, if uh, an office gets to 100 parts per million and you're wearing a respirator, you have to leave and return in a spacesuit. 100 is considered immediately hazardous to your health. So I, I watched that whole progress of, oh, it's not enough to hurt you to, oh, get out of here. It's going to kill you. So, you know, that it became pretty obvious that what I was taught in school was not, uh, you know, what the occupational health and safety people believed to be true about mercury. Uh, fluoride was a little longer uh, 
took me a little longer to figure that out. Uh, the scientific literature is the is the way I make decisions. Um, there, uh, uh, but when I was challenged, I wrote a chapter in my book, and I was challenged by the uh, one of my peer reviewers to uh, support some of my statements. And when I went to the literature, there's no support for swallowing fluoride. None. It, it, even the advocates today say it works topically. Well, that, if it works topically, why are we putting it in our uh, uh, water? It, it's not going to have a chance to do anything except, you know, I don't want water that's so toxic that it splashes on the teeth and makes the germs sick. So anyway, uh, uh, it was uh, 84, I think, was when I uh, turned around on fluoride. So and there are a lot of things wrong with dentistry. And the problem is it doesn't use science. It uses tradition. So, you know, if it was the, you know, for a, a religious celebration or something like that, fine. But tradition doesn't work with science. As, it, as they like to say, just a little teeny bit of data will ruin a perfectly good theory. And so the theory that fluoride's good has been shot down seriously. Yeah, I know you guys have had, had it in the, the water supply for a long time. And now it's something that we'll actually get onto that later. So we'll start with mercury because... Um, mercury is still uh, something that is used daily to put, put fillings in teeth. Um, it has actually, I think, been banned in Sweden and Norway, maybe a couple of other countries, but definitely there. So why do why do dentists use mercury, um, and why is it so toxic? Um, two different questions. Uh, dentists use mercury because it's uh, cheap and easy to use. Uh, and and uh, the big reason why they use mercury is because they're taught to, is that if you were an airline pilot and you were taught to, you know, go in and, uh, you know, do a little dance, a little jig down the aisle before you took off, all the pilots would get on the airplane, dance a little jig down the aisle and then go take off. And if they're taught to do it, they're going to do it. And that's that's the reason you have an army of dentists out there stuffing mercury in everybody's teeth every time they get a chance. They don't know anything about toxicology. They have no clue that they're poisoning themselves, their patient, and their staff, and the environment uh, by sticking this mercury in every mouth they can get open. So uh, as long as you allow trade associations to determine the curriculum of the school, you're going to get the trade association teaching students to do what the trade association needs to have uh, you know better profits i think mm-hmm. and uh he said well i've actually got here um i mean it causes uh, degeneration um so i mean i've read before that even one atom of mercury is too much uh and and this is something that is put in someone's mouth and it's off gassing all the time so what sort of diseases or illnesses can come can come with this because it, it doesn't it sounds like it's just a recipe for disaster. It is a recipe for disaster. And that uh, if you, there was a, a National Geographic uh, article a number of years ago, 77, that was called A Perfect Pesticide for Man. And it was all about mercury, liquid mercury. They, <laughs> really? Uh, and it, the mercury attacks the central nervous system of, the, of higher animals. Um, and so it gets, uh, interferes with the way the brain functions. And so the diseases that are related to mercury are uh, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, well, for sure, acrodynia, which used to kill 5% of the infants in England when they used mercury as a, a teething powder. Uh, acrodynia and the, and the non-lethal form of acrodynia is called autism. Uh, 
Lou Gehrig's disease, which is ALS, where mercury accumulates in the, uh, the spinal cord, um, Parkinson's, uh, where you sit around and, and shake, and tremor is one of the classic symptoms of mercury. And that uh, they're all, all of these diseases have some other component. That doesn't mean that mercury isn't one of the principal ones. But for instance, Alzheimer's, uh, the, the genetic makeup of the individual is very important. Is that if they're APOE4, they're at high risk of Alzheimer's. If they're APOE2, they're not. And that the APOE system is the excretion mechanism for mercury. The twos excrete it real well. The fours don't excrete it at all. So, you know, it's, it's, we know all of this. The dentists don't know any of it. And they continue to put in, mercury in people's teeth. And that uh, when I went to school, I was taught that the mercury was not released. That was not true. It was not true in uh, the 1960s. It's not true in the uh, in the next uh, century, and uh, they're still saying it. And now they're saying, oh, it's just a little tiny bit. Well, yeah, but if you measure the little tiny bit, it exceeds the level that is known to harm, the, the minimum risk level. So, you know, I don't care if it's a little tiny bit or a skosh or a dab. Don't do it. It's not appropriate for dentists to be putting time-release poison fillings in people's teeth. 100%. I've actually had a dentist say to me before, oh, it's only it's toxic. Um, it's toxic, but when it, when you put it in someone's teeth, it isn't toxic anymore. And I, yeah, it's magic. Yeah, and I was thinking, how does that work then? <laughs> and I, when I asked him, I said, can you explain yourself? And he was like, well, because it's in the tooth and it's not allowed to, uh, it, it doesn't... Um, it doesn't evaporate or anything. And I was like, that doesn't seem to make sense. That's complete nonsense, correct? It is complete nonsense. And I have a, a, a video. You can vi video the smoke come, uh, of mercury coming off the tooth at uh, uh, 253.7 angstrom light. And uh, you can't see mercury vapor, but under that kind of lighting condition, you can see the shadow of it. And uh, so smoking teeth is actually showing you uh, everything you do to the filling makes mercury come off, but you don't have to use that. You can use radioactive mercury. Uh, a guy named Freckholm back in the 57 put radioactive fillings in his fellow students' teeth and showed that it, radioactivity was coming out in their urine the, in the next day. You know, and it's, uh, there's, there's no support for the claim that your dentist gave you, and it's unprofessional, it's unethical for professionals to lie to their patients. They're taught what he was telling you what he was taught in school. And so he's basically perpetuating the myth that mercury is somehow locked into the tooth when the filling is made. That is not true. That was not true when they came up with that story. It's still not true today. It's a fake um, safety thing. It has nothing to do with um, safety is that you can't put a time release mercury filling in a tooth and not expect that mercury to spread to the fingernails the hair the teeth the brain the kidneys the liver the heart mm. and you know it, it's just insane so uh, mercury is you asked why it poisons and that the reason mercury poisons you it's what's called a heavy metal it loves sulfur and that people don't realize it but there are many many things that are very important in our body made out of sulfur including the the insulation that covers all the nerves in the brain and the and the peripheral nervous system as well and that that sulfur is then attacked by mercury and it ends up holding the mercury instead of holding your nerve and you end up with nerves with no insulation. Well, what do we call that? We call that MS. Mm. And where do they get the MS? The MS is wherever the, the blood vessel crosses the nerve. And that's because if you've got mercury in your teeth, you've got mercury in your blood. And then when the mercury goes by that 
that ner- when the blood goes by the nerve, the mercury jumps off out of the blood into the nerve and, and starts stripping the insulation. Well, if you had a, a rat that got into your parked car and started eating the insulation, when you get out and try to run that car, it's, the lights aren't going to come on, the radio's not going to work, and you're going to have a lot of trouble running that car. The same thing's true of human beings. If something's stripping the insulation off your nerves, you're going to have trouble running your body. You're going to have trouble with your memory. You're going to have trouble with your motor. Motor neurons are not going to fire properly. You're going to end up with tremor. And that's, that's what dentists do. We, they've measured dentists and dentists tremor. Um, there's a number of studies. Uh, you mentioned Norway had uh, prohibited the use of mercury fillings. And that's because of a, of a TV special in 2008 about the mercury poison dental assistants. And the dentist said, oh, that's not possible. There's hardly any mercury at all. Blah, blah. It's a safe kind of mercury. And the University of Lund measured all these ladies, 400 and some odd of them, and they were all mercury poisoned, including some people that had birth defect children that died. So the, you can't listen to the dentist. They don't know anything. They were absolutely incorrect on 400 more of their dental assistants. And so Norway, they went all the way to the Supreme Court in Norway, and Norway said, we can't have people using products in this in this country that are poisoning the staff. It's it's unethical. It's immoral. And they stopped it. And I think every country in the world should stop it. But thank goodness we have some leaders. Sweden uh, said in 1987, from a toxicological point of view, dental amalgam uh, is an unacceptable material. Now, the dentists are trying to spin that into environmental concerns. Well, yeah, it damages the environment, but that's not what they said. They said from a toxicological point of view, it's an unacceptable material. And that was 1987. Isn't that 30 years ago? Mm. Hmm. How come things move so slow? It's because the trade association that's making money off of this deal gets in the way and they raise alternative theories. It's like if some fellow ended up stabbed in the back, that when the lawyer comes in to defend the, the client for, oh, that fellow fell, fell down the stairway and accidentally stuck himself in the back with a knife. So they offer an alternative theory, and somehow the public thinks an alternative theory is the same as you know some kind, something in the scientific literature. They don't have anything in the scientific literature where they've actually exposed people to mercury and not found harm, including the horribly unethical children's amalgam study in Portugal where they proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that putting a, an ordinary number of mercury fillings in children's teeth damaged their kidneys within five years. Five years. Well, how, many, how many people have damaged kidneys in this world? Lots. About 13% or 11% in the U.S., I think, have kidney impairment. How much is that from mercury fillings? We don't know. But we know that if you take a child who is pristine and had no mercury in their body at all, and you put mercury fillings in their teeth, within five years, you got kidney damage. I think that's unethical. It was unethical to do it in the first place. And what they haven't done is they haven't done what they're morally obligated to do, which is go and safely remove those mercury fillings. What we haven't talked about is the fact that if the same idiot that put the mercury filling in goes in and grinds it out, you're going to end up with a huge dose of mercury. And that's that's has actually killed people. So So you have to protect the airway and capture all of that mercury and those amalgam particles when you take those fillings out. The IAOMT has a protocol, it's available, anybody wants to read it. Uh, I've got a, a video called Safer Amalgam Removal, you can watch that, it's about 20 years old, but it's you know adequate, but it, there's better ways to do it today. But uh, 
you know, th- there's a lot of information out there is that you just are not going to get it from somebody that went to a dental school and learned the, the dogma of dentistry. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's something I try, try and tell, especially my clients as well, uh, trying to tell a lot of people is people people seem to think like doctors and, and dentists throughout the board, throughout the, the, yeah, through the board are just rock stars and, I, um, and they listen to everything they say. But I always say to people, go and do your own research because, um, like for example, myself and obviously you yourself haven't got an agenda. I just want to be healthy. So you just try and tell people, go and look at all the research and actually understand it yourself rather than just taking something at face value. Because the things you're talking about there, I've I've got I've got family friends that are dentists, and I, I talk about fluoride now. Oh, it can't be that bad, and, which we'll get into later on. Um, it wouldn't be otherwise; they wouldn't use it. And I sit there and go, I don't think you understand. I think I've heard you talk before about in the US the reason it's used because because the army and navy are all all involved. Is I can't remember the exact quote you used. Um, aren't they all taught? Um, or aren't they funded by them or something like that to do the mercury in the teeth? Am I, am I talking well, nonsense? Uh, the, I think you switched from mercury to fluoride. Oh, the uh, Army... Okay, yeah. Okay, the, yeah. The Army, Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Public Health Service, and Welfare are the biggest users of mercury. So in, in the United States, the yeah, biggest consumer of mercury are the military mm. and the welfare program. Right. So they're reluctant to address this issue, but... As far as the um, the fake program with fluoride, uh, that actually they don't put fluoride in the water. What they're putting in is hydrofluorosilicic acid, which is a man-made byproduct of making nuclear weapons originally, but now it comes from the phosphate fertilizer plants of uh, all over the world. Uh, they put it in the waters of Ireland, uh, some of England, and the vast majority goes into the United States and uh, in our water supplies. And we buy it from other countries, which is moderately insane because it's a man-made molecule that sucks lead into the body. And so you read about Flint, Michigan with the high lead levels. Well, they're adding silicon fluoride to the water of Flint, Michigan. They got cheap and didn't add the, um, the base to neutralize the acid. So the stuff went through and ate all the lines. Oh, great. Well, why are we putting that chelating agent in the water anyway? It's just insane. So anyway, I've said yeah. insane before. Have I said insane? Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> uh, just just because I don't want to wind up, right? Because we're gonna move on to Floyd in a minute, and I know you've got so much to say on that. I just want to end end with Mercury because that was my fault because I sort of got a little bit mixed up with some, some of the things you said. But just just out there, the Mercury is not just into fittings; they're also putting it now into vaccinations. Well, it's been vaccinations um, for a while, and. This is something that people need to stay away from. From as you said, a lot of different diseases are. It's, it's been. A, it's, it's definitely involved in a lot of different diseases. What are things so you mentioned there? People need to get it taken out. Um, there's, they've got to be very careful. They don't just go to the same guy that put it in. They need to be very careful about taking those mercury fillings out because, as I did mention your video, um, smoking teeth. It does show with every single bite of food, or if they're chewing gum, that mercury is being um, released into the body all the time, all day long. So it's saying people do need to look into themselves to get removed, but they've got to be very careful about that. And I'd say go to a biological doctor maybe, or sorry, a biological dentist maybe to get that done. Um, just really be careful with that. But what are the questions people should ask their dentists if if people, if they want to, if the dentist says they, they should be using the mercury filling? What are something they should ask a dentist? Well, I think the first question I'd ask is, is it, uh, are you concerned at all about the mercury in my, in my silver filling? And if they say no, leave. Because if they haven't bothered you know, to take the time to 
understand the issue, then you're basically going flying with a, a student pilot who doesn't know anything. So that's probably not a, a, a good thing to do uh, if you want to live a long time. So um, that if they say, oh, there's no problem with that, leave. Because otherwise you've got to educate them. That's always a bad idea when you're trying to teach the pilot how to fly. Mm -hmm. Is that the, the passenger needs to have confidence that the uh, director of the flight is going to get you to your destination and not kill you on the way. And if, if your dentist is dismissive about the issue of mercury, that you're in the wrong airplane. So get off and find another airplane where the, somebody has uh, bothered to educate uh, themselves. There are a lot of organizations that uh, teach dentists how to do this correctly and physicians as well. Uh, and, and that uh, in the United States uh, and uh, Europe, there's an organization called IAOMT, stands for International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Uh, they have a whole program of accrediting dentists in safe amalgam removal. It's called SAFER, and uh, go figure. And um, they, uh, they have the uh, teach them how to encapsulate the, the filling uh, and capture the, ver the vapor and the particulate with uh, high volume vacuum and water spray and uh, protect the patient's airways. The, the throat has to be protected as well as the nose so you don't inhale the fumes. When the dentists say, oh, this is a safe kind of mercury, what they're referring to the fact is that in liquid form, the, the mercury is not toxic. Well, it doesn't stay in liquid form. Is it anytime you heat liquid mercury, it becomes mercury vapor and it becomes mercury vapor at room temperature. But when the drill touches it, the tip of the drill can be like, you know, 400, 500 degrees. Well, all of a sudden, now you've got an aerosol of ground up mercury particles that go down into the lungs. They're respirable, they're little teeny pieces of amalgam and mercury vapor. Well, that's the toxic form. So, whereas liquid, relatively non-toxic as long as you don't vaporize it, drill on it, you're vaporizing it and particulating. So you got to stop, think about that and capture all of that stuff and put it in a hazmat bag and send it off to the uh, Sweden, says it's unethical to recycle. So what they do is they do permanent storage. They collect it on all the mercury they found in their country, put it in uh, containers that are, that are uh, to last a thousand years, and they set it up to be able to transfer from one container to another in the next uh, millennium and put them in salt mines deep in the earth where it's 48 degrees down where it's still vaporizing. But since it's in a sealed container, it's not vaporizing much. And uh, that's the only ethical way they could figure it out. Once mercury's dug out of the ground, it's going to get into the environment unless we capture it and store it. And that's what the whole world should be doing. Unfortunately, it's just the Swedes are, have figured that out, and the rest of the people are still stuck in the, the denial phase. Mm. I think I've heard you say before that there's no reason for man to be mining mercury, um, which uh, I completely agree with you. And, I mean, for someone... So if someone ha does have... A, I mean, lots of people I know have mouthfuls of mercury. Uh, if someone did want to stop the emission of mercury from their fittings, um, is there anything they can do apart from extraction, safe extraction? Oh yeah, the uh, that uh, if you suck on an ice cube mm -hmm. and lower the temperature, uh, you're going to get that uh, filling to e emit less. Mm -hmm. uh, it still leaks a little bit down around the uh, the zero temperature of an ice cube, but uh, still it's uh, uh, going to emit less. And that uh, a study by Magnus Nylander in Sweden showed that if you eat an egg yolk, is say for instance you had a hot cup of coffee or tea. And that anything hot makes these fillings start to, to spew. 
And so if you finished a cup of tea and you say, oh, my fillings are spewing, well, you can breathe out through your mouth and then you're just poisoning the person next to you. Or you can eat an egg yolk and that the yellow in the egg yolk is sulfur. And so it combines with the filling and stops the emission temporarily until you have something else to eat. But you have you have techniques that will lower your exposure to mercury. But nothing's going to get rid of your exposure until you get rid of that time release poison that's in your tooth. In the meantime, you can be very conscious of the fact that you don't chew gum because when you chew gum, you make mercury come off all the time. Limit the number of times that you put your teeth together and limit the amount of hot foods that you eat. And if you do eat something hot, immediately follow it with an ice cube or an egg yolk. How about that? Yeah, yeah. It sounds it sounds like a lot of hassle, but yeah. If, if, well, yeah, get rid of the fillings. Exactly, get rid of the fillings. And so if people have actually have got rid of the fillings recently or if they have still got mercury in their mouth, is there anything that they can ingest or take or supplement-wise they can take that, that, um, that chelates and, and, and binds to mercury and draws it out of the body? Well, there is a wonderful new product that's called Inictrix, I-N-I-T-R-I-X. It's uh, available on compassionate use in Europe, and uh, we're, we're working to bring it back uh, worldwide. I took a lot of it when it was a food supplement, and it kept making so many people well that the, the FDA said, oh, that's got to be a drug, so you need to spend a billion dollars on it. it you can make it in your kitchen. It, it's uh, two, two molecules of uh, a cysteine hooked to a benzoic acid molecule. And that is now a new drug uh, that's been uh, approved for compassionate use, and we're working on getting it approved uh, you know, for uh, uh, all the uh, people that need uh, to get rid of mercury. And it is wonderful. It has no side effects. You can, the two and a half billion doses were taken as a, a, um, a food supplement, and there were no adverse reports. And you could eat as much as you want. They, they, could, they cannot feed too much of it to a rat. The more of it you feed to a rat, the better the rat looks. So, you know, they look like show rats with, uh, you know, beautiful hair and, and friendly dispositions. But anyway, uh, what's, what's go the, figure. What's the name again? What's it called again? Uh, uh, it's uh, Inictrix, I-N-I-T-R-I-X, or the other word is Emeramide, E-M-E-R-A-M-I-D-E. Okay. And there's a, web, there's a website, uh, Emeramed. The company is called E-M-E-R-A-M-E-D. If you go Emeramed.com, you'll go to their website, click on the uh, button to get their newsletter, and you can watch it uh, go through the long, laborious process. It started in 2000, and it's nearing completion. It's designated as an orphan drug because nothing else in the world will do what it does. It corrects mercury poisoning in a blink. Uh, they, uh, they did an experiment with uh, rats where they, uh, they gave them a, a five-fold lethal dose of mercury and uh, by injection. And then uh, and and gave them uh, ahead of time uh, the Enictrix uh, uh, and uh, Irminix. Irminix is the name of it. Uh, and uh, the uh, four of the uh, six rats that were injected with the mercury died. The two that did die would have survived if they'd followed up with a second dose because the mercury came out over a long period of time, whereas the uh, uh, Irminix is only in the body for uh, only in the rat body uh, for about twelve hours. Mm -hmm. So the injury occurred after twelve hours when the when the rat's body excreted. Humans the excrete it slower. So in humans it's twenty four hours. Right. So you know if you took a tablet a day, if you're a dentist, get get it and take a tablet a day every time you go to work because even if you're the safest dentist in the world, 
you're getting exposed to mercury when you walk in that dental office. That just there's just no way that you can handle this stuff and not have a mess. That's a market for you straight away. So what's the what's the um, what is it? How is it made? You say it was food. You had you had it in food supplement form before. Well, it, it basically, it's a if you know uh, chemistry, benzoic acid is a, a, a six carbon ring, and it's a I call that the ball and chain. So they they basically Boyd took a ball and chain. And he put two grappling hooks out that, that hang out in the air that are uh, exactly the same distance apart as mercury is found in the ground in cinnabar with uh, sulfur attached to it at 180 degrees. So he basically built a molecule that's dangling sulfur out there exactly where mercury wants it. And so mercury will let go of your nerve in order to get a hold of this molecule because it's energetically correct. And that's what we've seen. I... I've taken a bunch of it, and it basically solved the uh, the problem of mercury buildup in the tissues over my 30-some-odd years of dentistry. Mm-hmm. Even though I was careful, I didn't know enough about it to be careful enough. Mm-hmm. You need to be in a spacesuit. You don't don't need to be in there in your smock. Yeah. Smock is no protection whatsoever. It's like going into Chernobyl with a, you know, a handkerchief. <laughs> so this is completely non-toxic in any amount, and you can actually have as much as you, as you need. Yes, that's true, and uh, they're, uh, it's gone through one clinical trial on the mercury-poisoned gold miners. The people that are making a mess out of the world, besides the dentists, are the uh, uh, gold miners in uh, Central and uh, South America. Uh, and how are they getting the mercury? They're importing it as bulk dental mercury. And it's not bulk dental mercury, it's barrels of mercury they're using to extract gold. And then when they're through with it, they put it on the campfire and blow it up in the atmosphere so it's poisoning the Amazon basin and running down into Chile and, and poisoning Peru. It's just insane what they're doing with mercury. They don't need to be allowed to do that. They can, But because they're making money getting gold out of the ground, the government likes that because now they're getting money from gold. So it continues. So I, you know, it's... Short-sighted. No, nobody wants their, their country polluted. Nobody wants... Uh-huh. Babies that are born with birth defects or, or old people that can't stand up and walk or think. Mm-hmm. But money is the uh, uh, right. the goal, and they're, they're getting the money. Yeah, 100 Yeah, that's, that's the story we've all heard before. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I, I just don't even know where to go with that. I mean, that's just, that seems like a bit of a standard standard occurrence in these days with uh, in terms of money and then they're worrying about the effects of everything later on because oh it's okay we'll clean it up later it doesn't seem to work that way um moving on to fluoride david this is a subject you're very passionate about there you've been in obviously you've got your own film out there called fluoride gate that i urge people to watch and you've also been on another film that people can go on youtube and watch it's called the great culling and it says the and it's uh, the great kind of our water it's on youtube i urge people to watch it so Fluoride. Countries that have banned fluoride in the water are, as far as I'm aware, Norway, Sweden, China, Austria, Belgium, Finland, Germany, Denmark, the Netherlands, Hungary and Japan. Yet we've still got it, uh, especially Ireland as well. You've got it in the water. Um, So quickly, what is the difference between naturally occurring fluoride and this fluoride? Um, And well, we'll start with that because that's just something people need to understand. Well, the naturally occurring fluoride is found in uh, decomposed granite. And so uh, when the Rocky Mountains eroded away, they ended up with decomposed granite in the soil of uh, southern Colorado and Texas and Oklahoma. 
So wells in those areas have natural fluoride in it. It will cripple the people in Texas. Uh, China has the same problem, and they have a whole program to remove fluoride from their water and find good water for the people. And uh, that was my first documentary. It's called China's Battle with Crippling Water. You can find that in, uh, on my YouTube. And that natural fluoride will cripple you. It won't cripple you as rapidly as artificial fluoride, but it will cripple you nevertheless. And, um, and what it does, it accumulates in the bones because your body has no use for fluoride. Fluoride is basically a poison. So your body has to do something with it, so it parks it in the bone. In time, your bones become brittle and arthritic. And so you, the, it, for reasons that are not clear, it accumulates in the lower lumbar spine, right where your hips and your spine come together. And so these people in China end up bent over at a 90 degrees because it hurts to stand up. Eventually, the fluoride uh, causes the bone to expand and it paralyzes their legs so they can't move their legs. And they end up, you know, a, a paraplegic on the, on the uh, on a piece of plywood the rest of their life. So that's uh, that's what happens with natural fluoride. With artificial fluoride, it's at a slightly lower level. But like I said, that uh, fluoride is higher absorption rate than calcium fluoride, much higher absorption rate. And it's an odd molecule. It's a man-made molecule of sand hooked with six molecules of fluoride, hydrofluosilic acid. That extracts lead into those bones as well. So now you have two things in the bone, lead and fluoride. And it does the same thing that they are, the natural fluoride. It accumulates in the lower lumbar spine and the joints. And so you end up with arthritic conditions, hip replacement, joint bone fractures. Uh, dental fluorosis is one of the things that's really obvious where the teeth end up teeth end up with white spots on it and that sort of stuff. So it's uh, uh, how do the teeth end up with spots on them? Because the child, as an infant, swallowed the poison. It circulated around their bloodstream and ended up poisoning the cells that were making the tooth. Well, you've got to be a dentist to believe the child can swallow a poison and somehow it found its way only to the tooth. If you were to slice that kid up and look, you'll find lesions in the brain, arteries, and kidneys, just like the rats. Mm. So it poisons whatever it comes in contact with. And we've got 60%, I think, oh, 41%, 41% of the children in the United States today have visible signs of fluoride overdose. That is insane. There is no reason for any child, any child in the United States to have any sign of fluoride overdose. What other signs of fluoride overdose? Lower IQ. Oh, I'm trying to get into it. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Just, just like mercury, fluoride goes after nerves. And you end up with a neurologically impaired child. So, you know, it, you wonder why it's so hard to teach children to read and write. And you get them up in the morning and you put 1,000 parts per million or 1,500 parts per million fluoride in their mouth. And then you wonder why they have trouble making the letters show up on the page. You know, it's, it, you know stay away from neurotoxins. <laughs> That's yeah. the bottom line. No, no. I mean, you're talking about, I actually had that for quite some of my questions. That research has shown that fluoride lowers IQ. And, and the thing is... It's in the water. Obviously, <coughs> dentists are watching your watching your documentaries as well as doing my own research. Dentists say there's the, the 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 reports are conclusive. Fluoride isn't toxic. It's perfectly safe. It strengthens the bones in your teeth. It helps us um, with our dental health. And everything you're saying is completely opposite to that. Um, as uh, as as it's been used before. I mean, I, I can't remember technically who who said it but i remember um one of the quotes from your film saying fluoride poisons enzymes and it's toxic in any amount 
It eats through glass, steel, titanium, and concrete. Um, and people will say, well, if it's so bad, the government wouldn't put it in the water, and they wouldn't use it in, in, in the toothpaste. What would what would you say to that? I think that's an odd uh, attitude toward government, um, because you know the, our government used to bomb our. What country has been bombed 150 times with nuclear weapons? That would be the United States, that they were doing above-ground nuclear testing clear up into the 60s when Linus Pauling made a big point about the strontium-90 ended up in all the children's bones. And so they said, well, maybe that's probably not the best idea, and they went to doing underground testing. But So uh, believing that our government is, uh, has our best interest at heart and is benign is sort of like uh, you know, fantasy land. Is it, uh, Our government does what's good for industry and the military. It doesn't do what's good for you. And uh, so if there were any truth to what the dentists say, that they would be able to produce some scientific evidence where they studied uh, exposure to uh, fluoride and controlled for other elements such as arsenic and lead and showed that it didn't lower IQ. They don't have any studies like that. All the studies where the people were exposed to a reasonably high level of fluoride showed it damaged their IQ. And you can do the math, just work it backwards if it causes a 10 point drop in IQ at you know four parts per million it's going to cause a two point drop at you know one part per million so you know it 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 goes on and on and so there are like 27 studies of humans showing that fluoride in in waters lowered IQ and so what do we get on the other side we get denial and this is like the trial I was giving you an example of before just because the the defense attorney comes up with some other alternative explanation is not the same as putting uh, an epidemiological study together with you know two three hundred million people in it. No, they don't have that. That all they got is their lips, and they're moving them rapidly because that's what they're paid to do. They're in there as deniers of the injury that's been documented. That's what they do, and they and that that's not science. You got to show me a study. Of, oh, Phyllis Mullinex took a some rats that Pam Dembeston had caused a, just a little tiny bit of dental fluorosis and put them in a very sophisticated uh, observation with cameras and uh, computers recording their behavior, and rats with dental fluorosis behaved abnormally. So even just if you've got a funny little spot on your tooth, if you're a rat anyway, you're not going to be a normal rat. And then they've got follow-up studies she did where they uh, exposed the rats to fluoride and they behaved abnormally. So when you get rats, which are at least 20 times more resistant to fluoride than humans, and if you give them a, a exposure to fluoride and they behave abnormally, you can guarantee that human beings are behaving abnormally because of their exposure to fluoride. That's not uh, uh, open to speculation, but yet they would want to speculate. Oh, well, I think rats are probably very sensitive to fluoride. No, they're not. We can tell by how much it takes to kill them. It takes 100 milligrams per kilogram to kill half the rats. It takes 5 milligrams per kilogram to kill 100% of the people. So a rat is at least 20 times less sensitive to fluoride than humans, and they end up brain damaged. So what, what's the chances a baby not end up brain damaged if you put it on tap water formula? Is that human breast milk has almost no fluoride in it. You can poison mother nearly to death with fluoride, and it doesn't come out in her breast milk. And yet... When you make up formula with powdered formula with tap water, the baby's getting many fold higher fluoride than is known to harm that infant. And you can tell it because their teeth end up with spots on them. Yeah.
Yeah, I was just saying, I mean, there's got a few different ways, just a few things I just want to ask you here, because you've mentioned a few different questions that I had ready for you. First of all, fluoride as well, you talk about it affecting IQ, and we, we've gone on to that, but it's what the Nazis used to put in the water supply to control the people, correct? I've heard that. I haven't. I, I did check with a friend of mine that was in Auschwitz uh, and um, had the scars on his head for where they hit him with the axe handle. And he uh, said, no, they didn't have to. He said machine guns and uh, German shepherds and Nazis were enough to keep them under control. Right. Whether it's true or not is unimportant. Yeah. The fact that it damages IQ is proven. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then you're talking there about the fluoride. So it's not just in the toothpaste. They were now adding it to baby formula and it's ending up in cereals. Uh, so people, especially children, uh, I mean, most adults eat cereal because they don't know better um, at the moment, just because of what, what the way that people think breakfast is a cereal example. So they're getting hit all in all different manners. So I mean, is it, the, obviously the more you have of it, the quicker the accumulation builds, or can your body detoxify it quite quickly as well? Uh, the body is only able to get rid of about half if you've got good kidneys, if you do not have good kidneys, you, you get rid of less than that. And that's why the national academies of science says that the at risk population are people with impaired kidneys, as well as, you know, the people who are exposed to the levels that are legal in the United States, which is four parts per million, which is the level that crippled people in China. Um, so that if you, uh, have a really good diet and, uh, you're able to excrete only about half of it, so if you do the math, eventually your bones end up, and that's where it gets parked is your bones, and your bones end up high enough that they end up brittle, and you end up with hip replacements or, or, or arthritic joints uh, and, that, and uh, uh, fragile bones. And uh, that's the, uh, the scenario that uh, you can expect because of the uh, uh, fluoride in the drinking water because you cannot avoid it because it ends up in your beer, it ends up in your, your coffee, it ends up in your tea, it ends up... Even in your Coca-Cola, if they make the Coca-Cola up with the tap water, yeah. sure. It, and that's why was it in the cereal? Because any food that is uh, dehydrated, uh, if you take the, the post-toasties or whatever, you crunch it up and turn it into a, a Cheerio or whatever, and then you suck the water out, well, the fluoride stays behind. So that you, you make it up with tap water that's fluoridated, you end up with fluoridated cereal. Uh, we've measured, I think, 10 parts per million in Cheerios, and Fruit Loops were three, and and on and on. So it it uh, the really high levels are in uh, instant iced tea, like a Lipton instant iced tea. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Too. I think you found someone, a lady that had really bad reaction to that. Is that correct? Just exactly like the people in China. She ended up yeah. with a lower lumbar spine was uh, arthritic, and her back hurt all the time. And then finally, uh, the doctor took an X-ray, saw the real white blob of. Uh, uh, bone around the lower lumbar spine and, and figured out that that was fluoride. And she was drinking a gallon a day of Lipton iced tea. That was her beverage. She liked Lipton, the Lipton iced tea. So, you know, Hey, the ice was okay, but the, the instant iced tea and the, and she was in a fluoridated community. So she got a little fluoride off the, that community. And you got a lot of fluoride off the, uh, Lipton iced tea, any instant iced tea. I'm not picking on Lipton, any instant iced tea, black tea has, uh, uh, fluoride, green tea has fluoride, chamomile tea has fluoride. So those are the three high fluoride teas. Brick tea, which is in Africa, also has high levels of fluoride. So the, the we can, we're exposed to fluoride from lots of different sources. You just don't need to have the government buying it from another country and put it in the water. That's the insane part. Mm-hmm. 
then you could you, you could really reasonably avoid it. But if somebody is bringing it in from other countries and dumping it in by the by the freighter load, you know, it's huge amounts. They use half a million tons a year, half a half a, a billion, five hundred thousand, yeah, five hundred thousand tons a year. Mm, this uh, is it can also be found listening to it. Um, to more of your research and to more of your videos, you also talk about how it's found in pesticides and how it's found in Prozac. Now, why would it be? Why would why would it be there um, for people? Why would they use fluoride in pesticides and why would they use it in Prozac? And and what dangers comes out of that? Uh, the reason it's used in pesticides is because it uh, it kills bugs. And uh, you know, so it's, it's a very uh, uh, powerful pesticide. Toxic yeah, it's toxic. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so it ends up. In, well, what kind of things do they use it on? They use it on wine. Uh, so, you know, we've measured uh, non-organic wines here in the United States that had up to, up to eight parts per million fluoride. Mm. And so, where's that from? Well, it's from those airplanes that are flying over the two wings that are spraying something out. Well, they're spraying out fluoride. Right. So that's that's what the problem is. So the, and uh, you, the EU has set a standard for uh, pesticide in wine. All wines, all the pesticides combined, can't be above half a part per million. What if they end up with a wine that's too high? Well, they sell that to Trader Joe's in the United States because we don't have any standard for pesticide in wine, so they can unload their toxic wine on us thank you very much i was just thinking the thing is about that is is that i always because i interview quite a few people from the states as well as england around the world but the thing is people don't understand it's a global market so when people for example it's about the same as gm food when people are are buying sweet potatoes over here and they're coming from the u.s that's the thing you need to understand where they're coming from because they might they might um be buying it in the uk but we have wine here from california you know, we have wine here from all over the United States. So people need to understand that it's not just the things that they're buying. Um, or it's just in, for you guys in the US, it's, it's prevalent here as well. And and in Prozac, um, just talk about why it's in Prozac. And what, well, what I remember Mike Adams talking about, the, the I think it was the Sandy Hook Killers, um, the episode there. Um, how these, the fluoride can actually... Where psychedelic drugs really influence the way your brain works. That's why it's in those drugs. Uh, fluoride is in almost all your neuropsychiatric drugs. Prozac, uh, the the diet drug that ruined hearts, fenfen, fenfluramine, mm-hmm. uh, fluoxetine is Prozac. When you hear the word flu, how about uh, uh, fluoroquinone, like Cipro? Mm-hmm. When you hear flu, flu in the word, it's uh, like flux. That's fluoride. So when your you know welders end up fluoride poisoned because they're using a fluoride uh, flux on their welding, and then they end up inhaling that under uh, when they weld in high temperature. So they end up inhaling it. So they end up uh, later in their life, they end up with uh, arthritic symptoms from inhaling the fl- the flux. So uh, uh, the, if you take, if you read on Cipro, which is the fluoroquinone, uh, it's a very effective antibiotic. But read on it; it says not for use for more than two weeks mm. because it it will poison you. And so that they know that these uh, fluorides are available and they do accumulate in critical organs, which are basically your, your uh, joints. If you don't have really good kidneys, uh, that's going to accumulate more rapidly. So 
you know, don't swallow fluoride. That's the bottom line is that the fluoride's a poison and you don't need it. Your body has no use for it. If you brush your teeth with it, it'll knock down tooth decay a little bit because it makes the germs in your teeth sick. Well, you know, use baking soda and salt. You can put that in your chocolate chip cookies and it doesn't make you sick. So, you know, you, use something that kills germs, but doesn't kill kids. That's, that's, you know, how logic is that? I mean, that's not that hard to figure out. If, if, it, if it, it comes with a skull and crossbone on it and it says keep out of reach of children, I recommend that you keep it out of reach of children. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, this is something I always say to my, my clients is that it comes with it in a container, a big skull and crossbones on it, saying poisonous in any, in any amount. And yet you're putting it on your toothpaste every day and, it, and this is one of the things I say that people don't seem to realize. Um, so it's... <sighs> It's something that people need to understand a bit more um, because, I mean, you've been a dentist yourself. They say that fluoride strengthens your teeth, but you've actually, there's actually been studies that show it doesn't actually strengthen teeth. It makes them more brittle. It might make them bigger, but it makes them more brittle and prone to breaking. Is that correct? Uh, that's a uh, fracture, yes. And uh, attrition is the, is the term of, of fluorotic teeth or teeth with dental fluorosis wear down rapidly. In my uh, China's battle with crippling water in my movie. Uh, one guy smiles at the camera. He's, uh, I think he's 39 years old mm. and his teeth are worn off to nubs. Mm. You know, they're, you know, like a quarter inch tall and they're all black and brown because they are fluorotic teeth, but they wear rapidly. And that's, you know, that you think uh, making enamel harder is a good idea. It makes it brittle. God designed the enamel properly that fluoride makes it abnormal. It makes it brittle. And so it abrades and wears away rapidly and it fractures easily. Same thing with your bones. Your bones don't need fluoride. It makes them brittle. Your bones need calcium and magnesium. And that uh, and fluoride accumulates on the calcium and magnesium in your bones, taking it away from the bone and attaching it to a poison. So that makes the bone uh, uh, unhealthy and brittle. Yeah, okay. And so... For people, for, for people who are using fluoride toothpaste, there's loads of different options you can actually use now. You said baking soda, bicarbonate, um, with salt, but they can, you can use coconut oil. There's loads of different options on the market. You can actually go and just look for toothpaste that doesn't have fluoride in it. Um, for people wanting to, to de detox their body of fluoride, what can you suggest? Uh, calcium, magnesium, vitamin C and iodine. Uh, that uh, that I had uh, Doug uh, I had a, uh, met a guy at uh, at a meeting in uh, uh, Los Angeles at the Metropolitan Water District. Kathy Thiessen was speaking about the National Academy of Science. I talked about poison babies, and he was filming it. And he came up afterwards and he says, "I think I have fluoride poisoning. What's what's the antidote?" And, and Dr. Thiessen and I both said simultaneously, calcium, magnesium, vitamin C, and selenium, and iodine. And so. Uh, and he went home and he, and he gathered together those, those ingredients. And he said, wait, 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 let me write it down. And calcium and magnesium, vitamin C and selenium and iodine and about two to 400 micrograms of selenium. And the iodine, uh, you know, almost unlimited amounts that you can, that the uh, recommended dose is way too low. Uh, 134 micrograms is not enough to, you know, even keep from the kids from getting goiter. So, you know, you need uh, milligram doses of iodine, not micrograms. And uh, over time, that your body will uh, be able to encapsulate or excrete. What happens when you first start taking iodine is it, some people get itchy all over. 
And uh, that's because of the bromine and the uh, uh, chlorine that uh, have attached to iodine receptor sites. And uh, when you have enough adequate iodine, it drives them off. And so that you all of a sudden you end up with a purge of your body of these abnormal, uh, your body doesn't need bromine and you get bromine and everything from bread to your upholstery. Every time you sit on the uh, uh, foam cushions, they puff a bunch of bromine because that's their fire retardant that they, in their great wisdom, put in all the foam cushions. So now when you, every time you sit down, you get a nice dose of bromine. Thank you very much. Fair enough. That's, that's awesome. That's really great information, and people can take that on board uh, and really use that, which is really good. Um, so, just two more questions I got for you because I know we keep you for quite a while now. Just a couple, two more questions, and, and we'll let you go. I know you've got a busy day. Um, first one is: if this is in your world common knowledge, um, and all the studies are there to show that mercury and fluoride are really uh, just incredibly toxic and shouldn't be used. Why are dentists still using them and, and promoting them? Uh, they're lied to by their trade association. That, you know, that dentists are good people. But you know, when you're 21 years old and you go to dental school, that you rely upon that person at the front of the class. You think they've done their homework. They've done their, their due diligence, and they have not. What they're doing is they're telling you what the trade association wants them to. And so that you cannot listen without a filter to the people in the front of the class. That They are not telling the truth. And you can tell that they're not telling the truth if you do your homework, because you will find more or less continuously there are where they tweak, tweak the response to fit the, uh, the dogma, if you will. Uh, is does mercury come out of the fillings? Well, it's a safe kind. It's not enough to hurt you. Well, wait a minute. How much comes out? Substantiate that. <laughs> yeah. So, so they don't want to answer that next question because that if you everybody that's answered that next question, how much comes out? Whether we do it by measuring or whether we do it by calculating, whatever it is, it's going to be more than causes harm because minute amounts cause harm. So the amount coming out causes harm. Then if you go look at dental personnel, this is why Norway banned it, is that the, the dentists were saying, oh, it's the safe kind, blah, blah, blah. And when they measured the dental assistants that were working in their offices with the safe kind, they were poisoned. They were injured. And they had birth defect children as a result of that. That means it is a crime against the employee. And I don't know how they can get away with it in countries that uh, allegedly support the human rights. Mm. But it certainly, I mean, you're an 18-year-old girl, you want to get a job, the dentist says, hey, I need somebody to wash dishes and help hand me, some, hand me some instruments, come on and work in my office. And you just took a job that's going to sterilize 40% of those women. They will not be able to conceive babies, and if they do, it may be a tragedy worse than conception. Mm. They, and so, how is that allowed to happen? It's, it's, like, it's like the unethical experiments they did in Portugal, where they poisoned the children with mercury fillings. And that the contract that we had in English said that we will correct any problem that occurs. The contract that they gave the orphans in Portuguese said, you're on your own. Okay. You can't have two contracts that say different things. That's called fraud. Mm. And that's our United States National Institute of Health that's doing that. And people need to yell at them. Hey, get over here and take care of the injuries that you cause and do it safely. You can't. Have the same idiots that put it in take it out because they don't know anything. 
And by now, those dentists are impaired. So if we measured them, they are not doing a good job. They're not as good as when they graduated from school, even if they've got gray hair. <laughs> I was just about to say, it baffles me that people cannot, if they're into health and into helping people, how they cannot do the research themselves and listen and learn. And I just don't understand how they can be so... Um, I can't read the word like they're so blinded or blind to it, blind to the truth. What? How? How does it? I don't know how they get like that. It just for someone like yourself comes out and speak speaks and and uh, and you've got forty six or forty seven years of of behind you in research and you've been doing this for so many years and as well as other people and there's so much conclusive evidence. I mean, how how can they bury their head in sand or how can they miss it? I don't understand. Arrogance. Arrogance is the word. Is it because they went to school and that the person in the front of the class told them something and they very carefully wrote down in their notes and memorized it and answered it on the test, they believe that they're saying what they're saying is true. That's not correct. That's not how you know the science works. Science is a question of numbers. And so that you need to know how to ask about the numbers. But if you ask questions in dental school, they if you, they say you're not a very good student, they, they chase you out of the classroom. They, they say, oh, you're just being pesky. No, if you don't know the answer to that, you shouldn't be in the front of the class. Yeah, I just want to know the truth, right? <laughs> I just want to yeah. know the truth. Answer the question. Yeah, yeah no, that's why I say practical experience as well. Sometimes we are... Um, I think Paul Cechu talks about intellectual... Um, we, we live in a world where people just believe what's on paper rather than going out and experiencing themselves or actually looking for themselves, which is seems to be so true, uh, unfortunately. But it's something I always try to get people to learn. It's like listen to your body, go out and do the research yourself because not everything you read, trust me on this, and watch is true. You need to go and listen to people and then go and experience it for yourself. The last question I'd ask you, David, before we let you go is for people who want to improve their dental health, what are, what I'd say some very simple things that you can do if it's to say your top five things that people can do to improve their dental health without obviously mercury and fluoride what would they be uh, I would I'd send them off to watch my video called uh, uh, bad bugs and go get an oral irrigator and uh, don't just brush your teeth what you need to do is to knock the scum off your teeth do something in between your teeth whether it's a toothpick or a brush or a floss. You, you need to knock the gook out from between your teeth and then don't quit. You're not done. Hook up your water pick, put something in the water pick that kills germs and hose them out. And that, you know, it's just like washing your car. You got to stir it up all over and then wash it off when you're done. And you rinse all the germs down the drain. The germs that are going to eat the bone around your teeth are swimmers. If you change all the fluid around your teeth to for something like salt water as opposed to saliva, you're going to make it an inhospitable environment and that you're going to get rid of most of those germs. You're not going to sterilize the mouth. That's not possible. On the other hand, you can get rid of the kind of germs that you don't want in there because they're very, very fragile, actually. But people don't do it. And so, you know, I can, I can do it for you or you can do it yourself. But I wrote a book on it, How to Save Your Teeth. And, and it's all about, you know, stirring it up and hosing it off. And you can measure these guys. We used a microscope. It's really easy that all the bad guys run away and try to hide when you look at them. So, you know, you want to basically end up with germs that don't go away and try to hide. Tooth decay is a different program. Tooth decay is caused by eating sugar and leaving scum on your teeth. So you've got three choices. You can get rid of your teeth, you can get rid of sugar, 
or you can keep the scum off your teeth, or you can do a combination of all three of those. So that don't eat sugar. I, I just quit eating sugar. You know, sugar, I don't need to eat sugar. I just quit eating sugar. So, no bit. Yeah, I completely understand. Sugar is ter- terrible for, for your teeth. Um, for, for people who have been told they need a root canal, maybe it's a, a conversation topic for, maybe it's a question for another conversation, but for people who have been told they need a root canal, what would, would your be advice if you give it well, very quickly? I'd extract the tooth and clean the infection out around it. The reason for a root canal is a dead tooth. A dead tooth is like a dead person. So what the dentist will do, they'll embalm the tooth with embalming materials and leave it in the mouth. Well, when we take those teeth out and analyze them with DNA and uh, microscopically, they're all infected. 90% of them have copious quantities of abnormal uh, anaerobic germs living in the tubules, releasing hugely toxic exotoxins on about four out of five teeth. So, you know, you're, you're dealing with some very serious issues here if you keep dead teeth in your body. If you had a dead toe, every physician on the planet will say, get rid of that. If you had a dead tooth, the dentist say, oh, I can save that for you. No, you can't. It's dead. Dead things need to go where dead things go. Don't let somebody embalm a dead tooth and leave it in your jawbone. They will do exactly what all other dead things do. They accumulate and fill up with dead, with bacteria and then leak their exotoxins all over your body. So just say no to dead teeth. And the, the solution is to keep your teeth alive. Don't let cavities grow. If you have a cavity that's a pinhead size, go get it fixed. Don't let them put mercury in it, but go get it fixed. 100%. Uh, that's brilliant. I mean, I think we have to get you on again to talk a bit more about, about the dangers of root canals um, and how people don't actually understand how relevant and how important their teeth are to their overall health. Um, and it's something that needs to be discussed in greater length a lot more. It, the teeth always seem to get sort of like marginalized where I think that people understand, they need to understand how important teeth are. Um, but anyway, David, thank you so much for coming on. You've been uh, brilliant to talk to, absolutely fantastic guest. Um, and as I said before, hopefully we get you on again. Um, hope we haven't taken you up too much time and, and made your brain fry. So thanks very much, David, for that. Yeah, happy to uh, share with the wisdom of uh, my research. No worries. Speak to you soon, David. Have a great day. Uh-huh, bye-bye. So, guys, there we have it. That was the interview with Dr. David Kennedy, all about fluoride and mercury. I'm sure that will have opened your eyes to a, a very different point of view, a very different way of thinking about fluoride and mercury. And, well, in my opinion, if you don't want to poison yourself, if you if you don't want to toxify your body, if you don't want to poison your enzymes, if you don't want to um, calcify your penile gland, um, if you don't want to have... Uh, off gassing in your mouth then you want to stay away from these two very toxic substances um i mean mercury as well gets put in vaccines so anyway that was dr david kennedy's interview guys i really hope you learned something i really hope you enjoyed it any questions as always send them to me at www.ryan at or sorry send them to me at ryan at revive yourself.co or as i said before if you need to chat about any health issues head over to www.reviveyourself.co Okay, guys, and next week's interview is going to be with Lear Keith on the vegetarian myth. Those of you that know Lear know how passionate she is about this topic. Um, And this is not 
uh, podcast that's going to be against vegans or against vegetarians. It's just her point of view, what she's experienced in her life. So I'd ask, like with everything, try and avoid the dogma and just try and keep your mind open to the possibilities of what, of, of, of just different, different people that experience different things. Maybe what you've experienced isn't always true for everyone. So it's going to be a really good interview. And um, Leah, we don't just go into food aspects of veganism or vegetarianism we go into economical aspects um we also go into the land how it's affecting the world um agriculture so it's a really good interview guys okay so look out for that one i really can't wait to get i really can't wait to get your opinions on that one either but as always guys stay happy stay healthy have a great week any questions i said before send them over to me and i'll see you next time see that guys take care if you're struggling with gut issues such as gas bloating constipation diarrhea indigestion heartburn and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of the healing health paradigm today